This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. And what I'd like to talk to you about is let freedom ring. Let freedom ring. Let freedom ring. Let it ring. My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring. So you let the freedom ring out there, man. We live in a a nation, the home of the free and the home of the brave. And that always can be challenged, you understand. But anyhow, let me uh, read to you. Let me see here. Do I have another item? I thought I did, but maybe I don't. Look, is there a shirt in there, dear? No? Yes? Yes? No? No? Okay, anyhow, there's a t-shirt, a black t-shirt, that's going to be a gift to everybody who, uh, you know, wins it. When you register VBA, we're going to be doing a drawing, and we've got hundreds of t-shirts. It's got the same logo as this on the uh, yard sign there. And uh, I just want to challenge you along that line to be a disciple who is time chasers. You're, you're t- chasing the, the truths that are hidden throughout the centuries in God's word. Anyhow, let me get on back to our lesson here. Psalms 119 verse 45. And it says, I will walk in freedom. Now, freedom does not mean there are no boundaries, you know. There are boundaries in our free nation. There are boundaries of things you can't do, you shouldn't do, you should do this away. There are boundaries. But the scripture says, I will walk in freedom, for I have devoted myself. I've been faithful, what he's talking about here. I will walk in freedom, for I've devoted myself to your commands, to your commandments. I've devoted myself to your commandments, to your boundaries, to your guidelines, to your instruction. You know, in this nation... We devote ourselves to the Constitution and to the amendments. We live by the boundaries and the guidelines, and therefore we can have the freedom optimally, you know, that has been provided for us here in our nation. You know, uh, quickly here, it tells us in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Be careful to obey half of the instructions that Moses gave you. Oh, it says all. What percentage is all? 100%. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, from the instructions it's talking about here. Do not deviate from these boundaries that have been given unto us, turning either to the right nor to the left. Don't do that. Because if you will you know, obey the instructions that Moses has given you, and you're not going to deviate from them, turn left to right, then you will be 
successful in everything. What percentage is everything? 100%. Then you and you and you and you and you and you and all of you, then you will be successful in everything you do. If you stay within the boundaries, if you stay within the boundaries that we have been given by God, his instructions, his statutes, his direction, he says that you're going to be successful in everything you do. And then he goes on to say in verse 8, he echoes it. Study the book of instruction continually. That means all the time. That means 100% of the time. Study the book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure. You'll be sure to obey everything. What percentage is everything? 100%. So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. And he goes on to say, only then, only then, when you study it so you can obey it, only then will you prosper and succeed in all. 100% you will prosper and succeed in all you do when you study God's word continually so you can chew on it and meditate on it day and night. And then you'll be able to obey it. And God's word promises then and only then, he says, will you prosper and succeed in all you do. What are you doing? Getting married? You're on a successful marriage? Got a business? You're on a successful business? What are you going to grow a garden? You're on a successful garden? He says, then, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. If you'll study it, Meditate upon it day and night so you can act upon it. And he says, only then will you be prosperous and succeed in all you do. I'm telling you, it sets you free. It sets you free from all the things that bind you and hold you back. You're going to prosper. You're going to succeed in all that you set yourself to do when you're following the instructions of the almighty God. Radio commentator Paul Harvey, he tells of an experiment involving a chimpanzee to which the scientists were determined to teach written communication. For 14 years, project directors labored diligently and patiently with this chimpanzee providing things in its cage to enable it to form certain syllables. Finally, the day arrived when it seemed that the chimpanzee was actually going to construct a sentence from the syllables and the symbols that it had been learning. Word went out and other scientists crowded into the room and they gathered around the cage and they watched breathlessly as the symbols were formed into words and into sentences. And at last, the first message from the world's most pampered, most cared for, most patiently trained chimpanzee was about to come forth. The scientists could hardly contain themselves as they pressed around the cage to read the history-making sentence. Then said the chimpanzee, let me out. Let me out. He wanted freedom. He wanted to let freedom ring. After studying 
with all these scientists for 14 years to be able to communicate with them what he wanted more than a special diet or the heat up or the cool down or a mate. He said, let me out. I want freedom. And that is in the cry of every man's heart. They want to be free. And thank God we live in a nation where we can be free, although it's being challenged every day. Thank God for freedom. Thank God. You ever been uh, in any kind of bondage? You know? Whatever kind of bondage you was in, whether it's fear or finances or whatever, you want to get out of it, you know? You want freedom from that which binds you. You want to break every chain. Break every chain as the song so greatly declared. There are many different kinds of bondage. And some bondages are more obvious than others. The average age of the world's great civilization has been about 200 years. That's the average age of the world's the greatest civilizations. About 200 years. And those nations progressed through this sequence. From bondage to spiritual faith. This is the cycle. The, from bondage to spiritual faith. From spiritual faith to great courage. From courage to liberty. And from liberty to abundance. From abundance to selfishness from selfishness to complacency from complacency to apathy and from apathy to dependency and from dependency back again to bondage there's this crazy cycle that people just go through over and over and you can study it in history God who gave us life gave us liberty can the liberty of a nation be secure when we have removed the conviction that these liberties are a gift from God? So says Thomas Jefferson. The liberties we have as a nation and all forms of liberty, God has granted those to us. And let us not forget where liberty and where freedom comes from. In 1976, the United States was 200 years old. The above cycle is not inevitable. It depends on every one of us, on our children and their children, to see that we do not follow that cycle. Let us not follow that cycle. Let's do as the scripture tells us. Let's experience and embrace liberty that we might serve and care for other people. The demand for absolute liberty brings men to the depths of slavery. I want the liberty to do whatever I want to do. I want liberty to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it, you know. Things often steal our freedom. Everything that the, the devil offers you and me has got a hook in it. Everything the devil offers us has got a chain on it. But God offers us a liberty, but not an absolute liberty to do anything I jolly well please, no matter how it hurts somebody else. In an article I read, it says, we fit up a hummingbird feeder with four feeding stations. Almost immediately, it became popular with the hummingbirds that live in our area. Two, three, even four birds would feed at one time. 
We refilled the feeder at least once a day. Suddenly, the usage decreased almost nothing. The feeder needed filling only about once a week. The reason for the decreased usage soon became apparent. A male bird had taken over the feeder and his as his personal property. That's my feeder, and you leave it alone. He is now the only hummingbird who uses our feeder. He feeds... And then he sits in a nearby tree, rising to attack any bird that approaches his feeder. Guard duty occupies his every waking hour. He is an effective guard. The only time another bird gets to use the feeder is when the self-appointed owner is momentarily gone to chase away another intruding bird. We soon realized that the hummingbird was teaching us a valuable lesson by choosing to assume ownership of the feeder, it's mine. It's all mine. He is forfeiting his freedom. He ain't able to fly all around and enjoy life. He's there defending what he's got. No longer free to come and go as he wished. He is bound to the work of guarding his feeder. He is possessed by his possession. He is caged by a situation that he has created. Let us not become in bondage to our stuff, to material things, because it's all mine, mine, mine. Let us not get involved in that kind of a cycle. Luke chapter 12, verse 15 says, Then he said, this is Jesus here in the New Testament, Then he said, Beware, don't be greedy for what you don't have. Real life is not measured by how much we own. Real life is not measured by how much we own. That little hummingbird wanted more and more and more. And the truth of it is, he had littler and littler, smaller amounts of that nectar coming to him every day because he didn't need it no more. He could have drank a gallon of it if he had shared it. And, and gallons would have come into that feeder. But he, he lessened it. It's flow because he was so possessive of it and it possessed him. Sin is selfishness. Sin is self-centeredness. Think about the bird here. I am the center of the world that I see. And where the horizon is depends on where I stand. Education may, may, education may make my self-centeredness less disastrous by broadening my horizon of vision... It's like a man climbing to a, a tower who now sees further in terms of physical vision while remaining himself the center and the standard of reference. I am the center of the world. I see. Self-centeredness will imprison us into a dark little dungeon of our own ego like it did with the hummingbird. God's ways. <laughs> is to love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, and then to love our neighbor as ourself. That's Christ-centeredness. It's not self-centeredness. It's Christ-centeredness. And I'm loving God, and I'm loving my neighbor. And I'm sharing what I have with my neighbor. Christ promises to make men free. He never promised to make us independent. Our freedom is linked to our dependence upon God. That's where we need to live. And our dependence upon him 
And if that little old hummingbird had brought all of his friends to his little feeder, there would have been enough to feed every hummingbird in the community and more so. But because it all became his, there was such a little bit that flowed only for him. And he shared nothing with anybody else. Many regard freedom as something separate from any form of discipline. I don't want no discipline in my life. I want to be free of discipline. I want to sleep as long as I want to, eat what I want to, do what I want to, when I want to. I want it to be all centered around me. When in fact, freedom is often the final reward of discipline. Freedom is bought with a high price. You ever watch the Olympics, you know? Especially the Olympic skaters. Great freedom on the ice. They can flow so gracefully and spin and flip and catch someone who's doing all that. It's just absolutely amazing. Able to perform with such grace because of the years and the hours of discipline. They had boundaries and they had to practice and they have boundaries and how to do and instructions and guidelines. And through that, they have freedom on the ice. Tremendous freedom on the ice. Here what Paul has to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. It says, I discipline my body. I discipline my body. We don't like no discipline, do we? I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. Not what it wants to do, but training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching, this is Apostle Paul. The afterwards, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Well, we have boundaries to abide by, you see. Men are free to soar into the heavens because they're willing to confine themselves in a tiny capsule designed and produced by highly trained scientists and craftsmen. Astronauts must meticulously follow instructions and submit themselves to rules which others have defined if they want a successful flight and to touch the surface of the moon and to fly around the earth and to land safely. These disciplines, these boundaries that they must apply to their lives gives them the great freedom to do things that very few men have ever had the privilege of doing. We're talking about freedom here today. Fourth of July is talking about we celebrate the freedom from a tyrannical, tyrannical government. Freedom. To be men who are free, who can serve God and serve one another. In the early 1980s, Charles and Diana, it's actually in early 1988, Charles and Diana, Prince and Princess of Wales, and some friends took a skiing trip to Switzerland. The shocking news came one afternoon of a terrible accident caused by an avalanche in which one of the prince's lifelong friends was killed and another was seriously injured. It seemed sheer chance that the prince himself was not killed or hurt. How did it happen? A day or two later, the press reported that the prince's group had chosen to ski out on slopes that were closed to the public. 
The avalanche warnings had been posted, but they had chosen to go beyond the fences, to go beyond the boundaries. It's dangerous. Of, they had chosen to go beyond the boundaries, to go beyond the fences, because as one of them observed, that's where the optimum fun and excitement were to be found. They found a brand of pleasure that was indeed more than attractive, but it went beyond the margins of what was wise and prudent. And the avalanche extracted its price among those who went beyond the boundaries, went beyond the fences. The results, several broken worlds. Resist the curiosity that tempts you, tempts me, to go beyond the fences that God has set for our safety. Perhaps some become curious to see how far they can sneak away from God and not suffer consequences. You know, Satan tried to soar beyond the fences, beyond the boundaries. In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, it says, How? You have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer. That's talking about Satan. He was the archangel. I mean, this fantastic, glorious, musical angel in heaven. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I'm going to go higher than God himself. Verse 14, he goes on to say, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. He pushed all the boundaries. He went over all the fences and he wanted to do it his way. And as you and I would follow his direction, he would put us in great bondage. It's one thing to soar higher in order to be with God. It's another thing to try to soar higher to become greater than God. It's a different thing there. Many today are notoriously careless in their living this attitude finds its way into the church. We have liberty. We have money. We live in comparative luxury. And as a result, discipline practically has disappeared. What would a solo sound like if all the strings on the instrument were hanging loose and they weren't stretched tight? They were not disciplined. What would happen this is an old guitar. This, this guitar is an old guitar. I've had this guitar since I was a young man. And you know, I've played some fantastic songs on it. But all these strings are undisciplined. They're, they're, there's no boundaries. There's no guidelines. They're just all doing what they want to do. And it don't make no more beautiful music. It can be corrected if it yields to that correction. And what about you and me? There are boundaries and there are guidelines that will cause us to succeed in everything that we set our hand to do. It really does. Freedom does not mean I am able to do whatever I want to do. You know, if, if we fly, we must follow the rules of flying. 
you know? Freedom means I have to, Freedom means I have been set free to become all that God wants me to be, to achieve all that God wants me to achieve, to enjoy all that God wants me to enjoy, says Warren Wiersbe. That's being free to doing it God's way, not my own way. Not to exalt myself above God. I'm smarter than God. No, that, that don't lead to no freedom. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13, it says, it is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. It is absolutely clear, he says, that God has called you to a free life. He wants you free. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. We can do whatever we want to do. I'm free to do whatever I want to do and then destroy the freedom that I have. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Use your freedom to serve other people, to to love your neighbor as yourself. It's two great commandments and all the other commandments are automatically taken care of. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. And then number two is equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. We have been set free so we can serve other people and so we can love other people. That's what he says. He says, don't use his freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom, what's that word say? Grows. So let your freedom grow. Serve other people and your freedom will grow. And you'll see the greatest men and women of our world who serve other people. Who, what they do, it helps other people. You'll see their freedom grow and grow and grow. A contradiction of the Revolutionary War was men risked their lives and they fought hard to enjoy freedom in what became the United States. Those very men who fought for freedom endorsed slavery and actually owned slaves. So when you find freedom, we must offer that freedom to others as well. They use their freedom to imprison other people. That's not the freedom that God gives us. It backfires on us. Anyhow, picking back up here in verse 14, Galatians 5.14, it says, For everything we know about God's word, everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. You hungry? Wouldn't it be nice if someone brought you something to eat? You're cold and shivering. Wouldn't it be nice if they brought you a nice jacket? Love others as you would have others to love you. And you see someone in need and you care about them. That's what he's telling us. He said that's an act of true freedom. Freedom to be like Christ, to love and to serve and to care. First Peter chapter 2, verse 16 says, exercise your freedom. Exercise your freedom. That's what we're talking about. Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. That's what it says in your Bible. Exercise your freedom. By serving God, not by breaking the rules. You break the rules, you break the boundaries, you break the instructions, you break the guidelines, and you lose your freedom. You forfeit your driver's license. 
Verse 17 says, treat everyone you meet. Now, what percentage is everyone? 100%. Treat everyone, every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl from any place on the earth. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Dignity. Every man, woman, boy, and girl, they deserve dignity. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God and respect the government. Respecting the Bible tells us to pray for the leaders of our land because there's always an enemy trying to destroy this fantastic nation we have. Always an enemy trying to disrupt, trying to steal our freedom away, trying to blind us, trying to cause us to forget about all the wonderful things and heroic things that men and women have done in years gone by. I got to read verse 17 one more time. Treat everyone you meet with dignity and love your spiritual family. Revere God. Respect the government. And he tells us to pray for it as well. It's like a hamster. It's in a little hamster cage, you know. It's just there running around. around this little boogity, 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 boogity. And he stops. And he runs 90 miles an hour. And he's still there. That hamster needs somebody from the outside to set him free. He ain't going to set himself free by just going boogity, 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 boogity. And that wheel that goes round, 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 round. It don't work that way, you see. He needs outside help. Listen to what Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says. It so, says, so Christ has really set us free. Christ has really set us free. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he rose from the dead. It's really set us free. So Christ has really set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Just cause you free, and someone sets you free, don't mean that you might not. It don't mean that you'll never get back in that same bondage and chains again. But the Bible says, since Christ has set you free, stay free. Don't go back into those places that steals your freedom. We find freedom when we find God, and we lose our freedom when we lose our relationship with God. I'm talking about, yes, a declaration of independence from a tyrannical government, but I'm talking about not independence. Independent from a tyrannical government, yes, that comes by a dependence upon the God Almighty who's crazy about you. He's crazy about you. He loves you. John chapter 8 verse 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, the Son of God, this is Jesus. He took your punishment. He paid for your sins. He took the bullet for you. He pushed you out of the road and the car hit him. He went to hell for three days, the Bible says, in your place, in my place. And then he rose from the dead and he says, I paid for him. I paid for her. I paid for them. They're going to heaven with me. So Christ has really set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you are free through and through. You're free. If Christ has set you free, you're free. God opened up the Red Sea so about 3 million people could walk across on dry ground. But if they wanted to go back to the old sinful ways of living, if they wanted to go back to the Egypt of slavery, because when that water closed back, they're going to have to swim. God ain't going to open up a sea for you to go into 
slavery into bondage. He'll open it up miraculously to set you free because God's crazy about you. He loves you. So if the Son sets you free, you are free through and through. Romans chapter 6, verse 15, it says, So, since we're out from under the old tyranny, a, a cruel dictatorship of sin and death, and sin and death want to control us. And, and Romans tells us that God has made a way for us to get free of the sin's control that leads to death in our lives. So since we're out from under the old tyranny, does that mean we can live any old way we want? Question mark. Since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? Hardly. Verse 16 says, hardly. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroys freedom. We don't have freedom to scream fire in a theater, do we? They'll put you in jail for a long time. You know, I can say what I want. I get a freedom of speech, too. If I can go into a theater if I want to and just holler fire and see what everybody does. You can't do that. You're breaking the boundaries and you'll lose your freedom. You'll be put in jail. And they'll take a lot of your finances as well. We don't have freedom to hurt other people. We don't have that kind of freedom. We've not been granted that kind of freedom. We don't have freedom to steal. We don't have freedom to drive recklessly. We don't have that kind of freedom. That's not the kind of freedom that Christ gives us. The lack of boundaries is not freedom. It's lawlessness. The lack of boundaries is lawlessness. That's not freedom. You're, 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 you're binding yourself and endangering other people like the prince did with his friend where they went beyond where he said, don't go over here. There's avalanche zone over here. Do you remember what I'm talking about? We do not enjoy freedom without boundaries. There's speed limits. There's stop signs. You know, there's, there's, there's traffic lights. There's boundaries. But we can drive a car anywhere we want to go. We got tremendous freedom. As long as we accept those boundaries, it goes along with those freedoms. There are limitations and there are restrictions. Freedom means that within the right boundaries, you can maximize your potential. Within the right boundaries. It's not free to do whatever you jolly well please. There are guidelines and there's boundaries that we must function in. Up here in verse 16, it said, Hardly, you know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. Other, offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act. You offer yourself for the sin, sin will work at destroying your life. It's your last free act. Now you are in bondage. Now you got chains. That's what the Bible says. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act. You forfeit your freedom. But offer yourselves to the ways of God, and the freedom never quits. I'm talking about free. All your lives you've let sin tell you what to do. No more. 
Jesus died and gave his life and rose from the dead to set you free. Verse 17 says, but thank God you've started listening to a new master. The devil is a liar. I ain't going to follow his instruction no more. I'm going to follow Jesus and what his word says. Verse 18 goes on to say, one who commands one whose commands set you free to live openly in his freedom with boundaries. That's Jesus. He's given us guidelines to love your neighbor as yourself. You keep all ten commandments when you obey two commands. Love the Lord for all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal from him. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to kill your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to cover with your neighbor. All those things you see. Within those restrictions, with those boundaries, with those guidelines that's healthy for us all, you will reach optimum freedom. It says here in verse 17, but thank God you've started listening to a new master, one whose command sets you free to live openly in his freedom. The important thing about a man is not where he goes when he is compelled to go, but where he goes when he is free to go anywhere he wants to go. Hmm. That's the most important thing. When you've got the freedom, have you learned the boundaries? Have you learned the guidelines? Have you learned wisdom? C.S. Lewis made this statement. He said, without free will, and, and we're all free moral agents, without free will, Man would not be created in the image of God, and we're created in the image of God, and we have a free will to make choices. But C.S. Lewis said, without free will, man would not be created in the image of God. With it, he has the power to defy God's wishes and to bring misery on himself and others. Because we have choices. We're a free moral agent. We have been set free to surf and to love. And to follow God's leading and, and direction. But if we begin to misuse and abuse that, we bring misery and ultimately damnation upon our own selves. By our choices, I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life. Choose life. Choose blessings that you and your children, your seed, may live. That's what he tells us. Let me pick back up over here. We were reading in Romans 6. Let me pick up in verse 19. It says, I'm using this freedom language because it's easy to picture. You can readily recall, can't you, how at one time, the more you did just what you felt like doing, not caring about others, not caring about God, the worse your life became and the less freedom you have. You remember that? You do your own thing and things get worse and worse and worse. You forfeit your freedom. And how much different is it now as you live in God's freedom? Your lives healed and expansive in holiness, expansive in God-likeness. William Penn, you remember William Penn? I think uh, Pennsylvania might be named after that guy. Men must be governed by God or they will be ruled by tyrants. It's a choice that we have. Picking back up over here in verse 20, in Romans 6, verse 20, it says, as long as you did what you felt like doing, ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with right thinking or right living or right anything for that matter. But do you call that a free life? 
What did you get out of it? Nothing you're proud of now. Where did it get you? A dead end. Ever been into a dead end? You know, you got to repent, which means turn around. When you go into a dead end, verse 22 says, but now that you found you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do and you've discovered the delight of listening to God telling you. What a surprise. A whole, healed, put together life right now with more and more of life on the way. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. That's what God's word says here in the Message Bible. Verse 23, it says, work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus, our master. The only freedom from sin comes from Jesus and his word. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Freedom comes from him. A robin, you know, we, we see them all around right now. They're nesting, got little blue eggs, raising little baby robins. A robin is free in the air. You place a robin in the water and it loses his liberty. A trout is free in the water, but if you'll leave a trout laying on the sand, he perishes. He's out of his realm. He wasn't created to live on sand. And a robin was not created to live in water. A believer is free when he lives in God's will. It's a natural. It's just as natural as a realm of water is for the trout or air is for a robin for you and I to live in God's will. That's where we excel and we reach our full potential in freedom and, and liberty. Freedom doesn't mean the absence of constraints or moral absolutes. Suppose a skydiver at 10,000 feet announces to the rest of the group, well, I'm not using my parachute this time. I want freedom. You can only have a free fall for a short period of time. And it ends permanently. The fact is that a skydiver is constrained by a greater law, the law called gravity. But when the skydiver chooses the constraints of a parachute, he is free to enjoy the exhilaration. God's moral laws act the same way. They restrain, but they are absolutely necessary to enjoy the exhilaration of real freedom. So there are boundaries, there are restraints, there's guidelines, there's instructions for us to walk in the freedom that God wants you to have. James chapter 1 verse 25, it says, but if you keep looking steadily into God's perfect law, the law that sets you, what does that say? The law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. For walking in this freedom, by, by studying it day and night, by meditating on it day and night so you can obey it, and then you will succeed and prosper in everything you do. So says Joshua, chapter 1, read verse 7 through 9. You remember, we've read this before in John chapter 10, verse 10. So let's don't forget it. It says the thief, it's talking about the devil. The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill, and to destroy. How does Satan do that? 
by keeping us away from, from the truth. So we begin to believe a lie. And anything that has to do with stealing, killing, and destroying. That's the devil's deal. Your inspiration is the devil. He's controlling your life. And his ultimate goal is not just to have you mess up things for other people, but ultimately it messes it all up for you. Jesus said that in John 10, 10, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus goes on to say, but I've come to give you life in all of its fullness. That's what I'm talking about. John chapter 8, verse 31, it says, then Jesus said, if you abide in my word, if you'll abide in the guidelines and the instructions of my word, you are my disciples Indeed, and you shall know, not just hear about or think about, but you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you abide in my word, he says. You abide in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I was reading this article about a Christian attorney, and after meditating on several scriptures in the Bible, he decided, he wasn't mandatory, but he decided he was going to cancel all the debts of all of his clients that had owed him money for more than six months. That's just what he decided to do. Didn't have to, but that's what he decided to do. So he drafted a letter explaining his decision and its biblical basis, and he sent 17 debt counseling letters via certified mail. One by one, the letters began to return unsigned and undelivered. 16 of the 17 letters came back to him because the clients refused to sign for and open the envelopes, fearing that the attorney was suing them for their debts, when actually he was forgiving them of their debts. And therefore, they did not know that they were free from their debt. <laughs> I am telling you, it's the same with the Bible. We owe a huge debt because of our sin. And God canceled our debt because of what his son Jesus did. And many haven't, haven't bothered to open up this letter we call the Bible, you know, that explains how he has canceled our debt. We owed a debt we could not pay. He paid a debt, Jesus did, and he did not owe because we needed someone to wash our sins away. But, you know, we walk. Well, you know, I'm not going to read it because I might feel guilty. I might feel really bad. God loves you. He wants you to be free of the guilt of your past. He wants you to be free of all your debts. So you're set free to love him and to love your neighbor as yourself and reach your full potential. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, it says, My people, this is God speaking, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. They forfeit their freedom. They could have had all that money that they have a debt of now. But, but they don't read it. They, they don't read the attorney's letter. They don't sign for it. They don't read it and accept his canceling their debt. And we don't read God's canceling our debt because his son Jesus paid for it. And all we got to do is believe it and receive this great, fantastic, awesome, wonderful gift. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge because what you don't know can hurt you. Surely can I don't know if you remember that old spiritual hymn, Free at Last, Free at Last. Thank God Almighty, 
We are free at last. Oh, what a powerful song. It inspires us. And it causes faith to rise up within our soul. And, and when you think about it, that was Martin Luther King Jr. who had that in his speech in, in uh, 1963. He was talking about free at last, free at last. And I'm talking about spiritual freedom. I'm talking about physical freedom. I'm talking about financial freedom. I'm talking about being free from sickness and disease. I'm talking about the freedoms that Almighty God has given unto us that we will experience eternally. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I am free at last. Yes, I am free at last. That can be our declaration, you know, once we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. His word, it counsels, counsels us, and, and his word is, is like a map to us. John chapter 8, verse 44, it says, he, talking about the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and has always hated the truth. The devil hates the truth, and there's a lot of people in this world who hate the truth. And they just want to do whatever they jolly well please. They want to go past all the boundaries, like people who went past the boundaries in that uh, avalanche zone. They're being inspired by the devil. He was a murderer. The Bible says, John 8, 44, the devil, he was a murderer from the beginning and has always hated the truth. But it's the truth that sets you free, see? And that's why the devil don't want you to find the truth because you get set free. He was a murderer from the beginning and has always hated the truth. There is no truth in him, the devil. When he lies, he is consistent with his character for he is a liar, a pretender, an imposter. He's the angel of light, but he's a deceiver. And the Bible goes on saying he is the father of lies. Behind every self Defeating behavior is a lie. Behind every lie is Satan. He's trying to get us to believe something about myself that isn't true. He's trying to get me to believe that something about others isn't true. He's trying to get us to believe that something about God that isn't true. He's trying to get us to believe that something about life isn't true. He's always trying to get us to believe something about my past that isn't true. He's trying to get me to believe something about my future that isn't true. The devil is a liar. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his goal. He's a terrorist. He tries to instill terror. And the Bible says God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what the Bible tells us. But what I want to do, I want to, I want to pray for, for our nation, first off. And uh, you might want to sing this song with me. It's my prayer. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the ocean wide with foam, God bless America.
America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. And you know what? This old red, white, and blue, it's significant. Our forefathers are symbolized there in that red, white, and blue. And if you would like to join me right now, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. God has blessed our nation. He has blessed it in so many ways because it was based upon biblical principles. And there are those who like to go beyond the boundaries and the guidelines and the wisdom that God has given us. But he don't bless when we go beyond and we want to just do what we please. But I'm going to ask you right now, if you're watching, if you're joining us, I'm going to ask you if, if you would Submit yourself to the almighty God. Would you receive the freedom that Christ has paid for you? The devil can't get you. Your debts are paid. All you got to do is receive this great gift that's offered to you right now. Would you join me as we reaffirm our faith and declare that my debt's been paid for? Or maybe believe it for the first, very first time and receive it. Would you pray with me? Just pray after me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. And that's why you sent your son Jesus. And I believe your love has caused Jesus to give his life for us. To wash our sins away when he died on that cross. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And that he is alive forevermore. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I receive Christ. I open wide that door. And I receive him into my life. As my Savior. As my Lord. And as my King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. And I turn from those things right now. And I choose for the rest of my life. I'm going to live my life for you. Let freedom ring. Let freedom ring. In Jesus' name.